What's up, everybody? Welcome to Wayfinder. Today we've got an awesome episode with one of my favorite musicians, Sam Garrett. I, uh, I discovered Sam just a few months ago on my Trevor Hall Pandora station, and uh, he's just such a beautiful, soulful, pure spirit, and it comes through in his music, and then in the time that we got to spend together leading up to this conversation, and then during this conversation, I realized that all of that purity and beauty and awesomeness that comes through in his music, that's really the, that's really the guy. That's who he is. And so this was one of the most nourishing conversations I've gotten to have with anyone in a long time. Uh, Sam's just an amazing guy, and he makes amazing music. You guys know that we do a lot of music and musicians, and we talk about art and all kinds of stuff on the show, and that's because art has such a special place in our lives. Whether you're a musician or you just like listening to music, music connects with all of us. And our own special ways. And whenever you find a musician um, that really connects with you, it's a special thing. And uh, if you guys haven't checked out Sam's music, if you've never heard of Sam Garrett, go check it out. You won't regret it. You'll love it. And I think you're going to love this episode too. It's an amazing guy. We get into um, his journey, my journey through spirituality uh, and Eastern mysticism and philosophy and Hinduism and just how having a broad understanding, a broad uh, view, and a broad sense of openness to spirituality and religions can really be an enriching thing in your life. We get into that. We get into um, into parenting, into music. We talk about plant medicine and psychedelics and the breakthroughs that that can bring, and a whole lot more. Uh, overall, I just loved having this conversation. I know you guys are going to love it. So here we go. Without further ado, Sam Garrett on Wayfinder. your audio inside my headphones and I wasn't getting that but now I am nice and balance has Fair. been restored to the universe <laughs> so in, in in your spiritual belief system do you have any um, entities or deities that you give thanks to when little things go right Mm. It's, can, can, we, and I'll, tell, I'll give you some call well, hello how are you by the way Sam <laughs> good to see you today well I ask that because we in in our in our house, you know, I, I reached a realization at some point that I would like lose my car keys or something, and then I would get mad at myself. Mm. And I would be like, "Oh, you idiot! You lost your car keys or whatever." And a lot of times we direct that frustration inward at ourselves, and sometimes we cuss the gods or something, you know. And then mm. I realized one day that a lot of times those little things go right that could have gone yeah. wrong, and we and we forget to give thanks for those or acknowledge those. And I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool. You know, we if if you had a particular deity or entity to kind of throw some thinks at, you know, whenever those things go right, that's kind of how I think. Yeah, in all honesty, I don't. I don't have any one particular thing. You know, whenever those things happen to me, I usually it comes, but in this kind of a, a bit more of a general way towards life. You know, and for me, um, just going straight into it, for me, all these different deities, gods and goddesses, and spirits all come for me from the same uh source yeah we could say you know the same one life sure and within that within that one source all this diversity this play of manifestation this play of up and down you and me duality is all playing but the substratum is this one pure 
life. We could say life, there's no word for it. And really it's kind of a hindrance if we start using words because then we start identifying with a concept and an image and these things, they're beautiful, you know, we can use them. Um, so yeah, when those things happen for me, I, I usually just say, thank you. Thank you, just, just to life, you know, just to um, that which is all pervasive and is always here. I could never not be, is the, it's just as it is. And for me, I don't really have a name for that. I call it God sometimes, you know, I call it spirit other times. Yeah. Sometimes I might, you know, call upon my guru or Sri Ramana Mahashi or some saint from India who I feel you know, close with. But really, to me, they're all the same one expressing in their own unique way that's such a beautiful way to put it and i love that and I, I think that a lot of people feel that way and i think it's cool to have conversations with people who have that outlook on uh religion and deity right and and divinity um you know because it's uh it, it's a sensible way of looking at things and and when you when you look at things like that you can make sense of a lot of the, the different religions and really understand where a lot of people are coming from and their beliefs and um, begin to understand how people of very different belief systems can all share a common connection to the divine, right? And through their own different channels and stuff like that. I think that's such a beautiful way of looking at it. I, um, I've always been a, been a student of, of like comparative religion and mythology. And, um, I've always been fascinated with the different ways that, uh, different cultures, particularly different cultures around the world and throughout history, how these different cultures interact with their gods, right? Mm. And um, because I think that at, at the core of who we are as human beings, I think that we're material beings and we're spiritual beings. And, and we are, we are um, blessed and cursed. We are laden and, and, and nourished with this, uh, this reality that we exist within two poles. And uh, it's, uh, it's the, the light and the dark wolf of the Native Americans, right? And it's, uh, it's the yin and the yang of the Tao. And, all these other the 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 hermetic principles of duality as above so below and the masculine and feminine and all that how your music is is so it's so rich with spiritual language and with um with 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 terminology that that allows you to express concepts that i i, I think a lot of times is we we miss it in the west we don't have a lot of language around a lot of this stuff, a around a lot of the deeply spiritual and the metaphysical and the existential. And those are the things that make up half of who we are. But we have one word in the English language for love. Yes. The Greeks had six different words for, for love. I think it was six. And it was like agape, which is like this all-encompassing, all-giving, you know, self-sacrificial, you know, uh, love. There's like Eros, which is the romantic love. And there was all these other kinds of like love of knowledge and all of this. And I was so fascinated by that because when we think of uh, one of the most important words in our language and one of, the, one of the most important concepts in the human experience is love. I mean, it's fundamental to who we are. And yet, particularly you and I speaking English and being of Western culture, at least, you know, born, um, there's, there's one word for that. There's one word for that thing. And there's so many different ways to express it because you love your mom different than you love your dog, different than you love your, your daughter, right? So what I love about your music and, and music like yours is that you express things beyond our standard language and you express th 
things that are, are so true to us at such a deep level, using metaphor and symbolism and religious terminology, particularly from Eastern, um, more of the Eastern philosophies. Um, and it's such a beautiful thing that I think we're missing and, and, and we're seeing a resurgence of, of, of a renaissance of that sort of belief and that understanding. And after all of that, I want to just turn you loose on it and just see what you have to say about that because you're you're so uh, you're you're such an icon of that of that 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 that, that musical sort of warriorship that that brings that's bringing this this renaissance back about. So what what has that been to you? What is spirituality and Eastern philosophy and all of the music? How has that made Sam Garrett what he is and and, and what he wants to be in the world? Yeah, I just want to speak to love first. What you're saying about love and um. <clears throat> my experience and my understanding, my own humble experience has been that, you know, just like the flower produces a scent, you know, our being produces this love and this peace. That's our, that's the, that's the fragrance of our being. And the more that we're stripping away our conditioning, our concepts, our ideas, our dogma about this is the right way and that is the wrong way and all other ways are wrong. This is the only true way. All these things is that we're stripping all of that away. We come back to that love, and God is love, and uh, and 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 Jesus Christ also said, you know, that 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 the kingdom of heaven is within, is inside of you, right. is inside of each and every one. And so um, my understanding is that love is really the perfume of who we truly are. Who we truly are is not this form and not these ideas and beliefs and whether you're from america or england or japan or jamaica you know all these things they were they were kind of given to us you yeah. know as a kind of temporary um thing to play with you know and so i feel like the more that those things are stripped away they do they become more playful they become much more superficial and we can enjoy this kind of uh unique diversity in the way that we see life as i was saying before is like Life is expressing itself in all these unique manifestations and expressions. So in the same way that you see like a flower, I'm looking outside, I can see a pink flower, a red flower, a yellow flower, different shade of pink. Okay, but I wouldn't say, well, the red one is more flower than the yellow one, right? They're both right. flowers, but they express in their own unique way. In the same way as human beings, you have a different face to me. You, you know, you look a bit different. I have a different face. All these different things, but we're born in different countries. You know, we have different backgrounds, but underneath that is the same one life, the same one consciousness, the same life that I see in the flowers and the trees and the birds and the buildings and all these things. It's all just life expressing itself. And the more that we get identified, and in our culture, very much so, we we've almost been. Uh, trained to to uh, notice individual differences and to to really for that to stand oh you're this kind of person you're that kind of, oh okay you're like this speak more to but, that speak to the culture of it yeah i just feel that in our culture you know we see this um diversity not in it not in so much of a as a playful thing as a superficial thing which is what i was saying before as these things these concepts and these ideas are being stripped away through spiritual discipline, through plant medicine, through different experiences that we're having during our lifetime. You know, it could be illness, it could be something, someone close to you dying, and all of a sudden you start to inquire and to question things. 
for whatever it is that is stripping those things away, you know, as that's being stripped away, because in our culture, we really, there's a lot of judgment, there's a lot of kind of projection on other people and how they're, oh, they're that kind of, okay, so I, I don't really mix with those kind of people, you know, or yeah. whatever, oh, those people, they're not, they're not very spiritual, so, you know, I'm not going to hang out with them. But really, like, in my experience, the more that these things are being stripped away, all of those individual kind of differences and those things, they, they cease to become so prolific and so profound and so they don't stand out as much. And what does stand out is that love. And you start to see everything as that love. And it was always that way. But it's just that we were we were wearing kind of goggles or glasses that were looking at the world through our own ideas and conditioning and projections and you know all these things and so we're all we all become very separated from one another not just from each other as human beings but from animals from plant life from the world at large you know and the universe and and beyond and, and from and ourselves fully yeah from ourselves and and from that root consciousness that 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 life that we are and we stop when the more that we become present, the more that we're starting to become aware of the awareness itself that we are, you start to see everything much more different. You start to see everything as that love. You start to feel it, you know. It's not just that like, oh yeah, that that's love. You know, it's not a concept anymore. You start to recognize what Jesus was saying, what uh, the Buddha was saying, what Sri Ramana was saying. So yeah, in terms of that, I just wanted to speak to that a little bit. That you know, we can say, you know, I love, I love my cup of tea. I love <laughs> this. I love that. You know, we can say, you know, this thing. I love this thing so much. But really, like, we are love. You know, we are the love that we are seeking. You know, sometimes we're looking outside of ourselves in order to acquire certain things whether that be material, whether that's, you know, looking a certain way in order to be accepted in a certain way. Whatever it is we're looking to kind of belong or to, for that sense of fulfillment, that sense of uh, peace and contentment. And that is really rarely found externally because anything external, it has a time limit it's and temporary. it's going to be right. And we know that, you know, if we, we've been understanding you know, spiritual wisdom, we, we know that. But the more that that starts to really become a reality, a reality for us, we start to really see that whatever I perceive is changing. This whole world is changing. One, there might come a time, we don't know when, when this world will cease to exist. The sun also that we need in order to live on this planet will one day be gone. Everything that we can perceive with these eyes is changing, coming and going. This body coming and going. There is something which is beyond all of this changing. And that is something that I think is, is really worth finding. And I really, when I'm writing music, you know, it's not, it's not so much that I'm sitting down thinking, oh, I'm going to write a song about, about this or this, you know. It just comes very spontaneously from this place. And sometimes I never have an intention to write a song. I just pick up my guitar and I just have to get out of the way and just let the song come through. This is a, this is an important aspect of, of the of like the creative process that a lot of people who are not artists or even people like me who I've been playing guitar my whole life I write some music and stuff but not at the level that that a lot of you and some of my other friends do and I think people are really fascinated by that creative process and and I always want to drive it home when I have 
you or one of my, my, my really good, good artist friends on the show, I want to really drive that home is that none of you guys, and, and this is like a unanimous thing with all of my, all of my friends who are creating art at a high level, no one's cl really claiming that this art is coming from them. Yes. You know, there, there's, there's this, there's this deeper thing that you, that you're, we all seem to be able to tap into whenever we become, you know, hyper present to the point of absence and we just become a conduit to let this stuff flow through. And a lot of people reach out to me and say, how can I be more creative? How can I be more artistic? And, you know, I want to help people. Um, but the, the biggest thing is I think for me has been dedicating time to silence and listen, breathe and listen and just be quiet. And then whatever comes out of that, this has been, you know, a process for me, but whatever comes out of those moments of, of quiet and silence and you sit and you listen, do something creative on the back end of that, even if it's just journaling for, for two minutes or for mm -hmm. 10 minutes or let it flow for an hour. And for me, again, you know, someone who really needed to exercise the left and the right brain, you know, um, which it, it helps everyone to do that. I started journaling after I would meditate and I wouldn't I would I would do it on paper that wasn't ruled. There was no lines. And so I would write in circles and I would doodle all around it and I would create sacred geometry within ideas of what came out of it. And out of that became this creative explosion in my life. And uh, a lot of that was directed by friends of mine like you who you know, were, were artists and writers and painters and poets. And, um, you know, uh, I, w sitting in quiet was a big deal for me. How, how much Im import do you think we can put on on taking moments of silence to breathe to listen to ourselves and 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 just to, to make that space for silence in our lives is that a big thing for you yeah it's really important i feel that um i start every every morning like that you know in silence um and then slowly throughout the day i feel like i kind of get more and more loud but it always starts kind of on that on that level of just very uh what you might call like shanti very very like deep silence in the morning and wake up early and uh, I sit in meditation and I do a, like a physical asana practice and then I sit again in, in silence and then I you know I kind of start my day so to speak and and I feel like that really is kind of like pressing the reset button you know for me that helps me because sometimes I wake up and I have a very loud mind and I have a lot of thoughts going on of things that you know I perhaps need to do or think about and that gives me the opportunity to just stop and just be present. And throughout that uh, time, I'm able to come back into a state of equilibrium, of balance, of, of true harmony, which is always there, you know. Again, it's that substratum. It's always there. Right. And, and then on top of that, there's these little things that kind of play around and float around. But for me, that's always been like a really a big part, you know, having that time. Um, just to sit, you know, and many of us don't, you know, many of us live very, very busy lives. You have children, you have jobs, you have things to do. And, but even as little as five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, you know, whatever it is, just yeah. to, just to stop and to breathe and to pay attention to the fact that you are alive, that you are, you are life itself. And it, for me that those moments of contemplation, introspection, um, and throughout the day also, you know, just like, you know, sometimes I find myself just in the middle of something and I, I, I'm becoming more aware of when I'm kind of just going in my head or like thinking of, of something too much. 
and that's almost like an alarm bell goes off inside of like you need to sit down and you just need to stop and even if it's five minutes you know that time really is then is really just yeah so powerful and so profound because then we're able to like come back you know yeah. to that state of presence and then what i find is that then every action once you're in that space is like whether it's music whether it's gardening whether it's cooking whether it's painting whether it's you know being with my daughter or my partner or my family whatever it is that i'm doing traveling and doing different things it's done within this state of of, of beingness of presence and and it's so much more enjoyable when you're really present with something or mm -hmm. present with someone you know and 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 i i suffer the consequences when i'm not present you know and i feel horrible because i might leave my daughter or my mom and dad or my partner and then i'm sitting by myself and i feel terrible yeah. you know because i was you know thinking about something else or wanting to get somewhere or do something i uh, i call that looking over this moment's shoulder into the next moment yes yes there's a and it's <laughs> There's a beautiful, beautiful, uh, like a five or six minute YouTube video by a philosopher named Sam Harris. And Sam Harris mm -hmm. is like a super left brain neuroscientist guy. He's like not a spiritual guy, but he has studied Buddhism. I think he calls himself a Buddhist, but I used to love him so much. And um, anyway, he has this uh, this like five or six minute video on YouTube that everyone should watch. You got to go watch it after this. And yeah. and um, he's it's called It's Always Now. Yeah. And he just talks about how it's always now. This is the only moment we've got you know um and uh he talks about you know in some way we're always looking over this moment's shoulder into the next moment yeah. and that particular imagery really resonated with me um and i so i say it all the time but i when i walk across the parking lot to come into the studio you know when i do it this morning or any other day of of my yeah. life i found that there were days when i had so many things on my mind that i would park across the parking lot and i'm walking and the whole time i'm walking i'm just thinking about that door I'm thinking about the door across the parking lot and I'm thinking about getting to that door and all the things I have to do behind that door. And then w we end up playing these loops in our mind and we don't think they're loops, but you're just going in a thought loop over the, over the three or four things you have to do. And you're just running in circles and you're running in circles and you're running in circles and you do it until you get to the door across the parking lot and you missed everything that happened, you know? And so I'll find myself pacing, you know, I'm just like the road runner running across the damn parking lot. And I'm just spinning in circles in my brain. I'll stop, take a big breath. And then become present. Pull myself into the moment. All of a sudden, the trees get greener. The air feels better. The sun's warmer. You know? And you can hear everything. And then every step becomes an intentional step the rest of the way to the door. And it can, it can change everything about your day. Yes. Yeah, and there's a there's a really beautiful quote that just came uh, about a woman that asked. Uh, she was studying with the Zen master, and she was sitting with him one morning as they were drinking their tea and sitting. And she said, "Why why do you meditate?" And he said, "So that when I walk to the market every day to collect the vegetables, I can notice the flowers on the way." <laughs> because if i if i didn't meditate i would miss them yeah if yeah. i didn't didn't practice then i would i would miss everything and i would just be in my mind thinking about i can't wait to get to that market because then this is going to happen that 
you know, and so we're in this kind of conceptual reality. And I feel that I think, yeah, coming back to the thing that you're saying about music, for me, I don't necessarily feel that there's any one thing that I can do. You know, it's not like, you know, unless I do morning practice, I'm not going to write a song or right. music is come through. It's really not down to me in that way. Right. I, I never, I, like you said before, you're, you know, other people and your friends that you've you've spoken to, it's like, it, it's not, yeah, it's not down to me. It's like something is just coming through me and I just have to be there and be present and to kind of like a midwife just to be there to like deliver the song. Wow. Yeah, I was, I, I, I had imagery floating around in my head of that exact sort of imagery when you pulled that out. That's, yeah, perfect. Being there yeah. like a midwife to just catch this, this little bundle of creativity when it comes into the world and then give it its first few moments here and then turn it loose in the world. That's yeah, and then, after, and then when it comes through, it's like, um, you know, usually, well, m most times the knot is, is the guitar, you know, I'm sitting and playing the guitar. And chords just start to form, and then a melody comes, and the words just start to come. And then in that moment, there's like a there's a there's a moment where I know I have to press record on my phone because if I don't, I'll lose it. So I have to be very like alert also in that, in those moments because it comes very very quick. And so again, I just have to kind of get out of the way and just let it kind of come through. And then I have the kind of basis of the song already formed. And then on top of that, then different words can come in, you know, and then I'll, and then I usually, what I'll do is I'll just leave it. I won't sit with it. I'll just, I'll kind of blurt it out, you know, in this kind of way, it will just kind of come through me and I'll stop recording. I'll leave it and then I'll come back to it. And then usually when I come back to it, you know, I, I listen to it again and then all the whole song is just like, yeah, okay, that needs to happen. This needs to happen. It all just makes sense, you know, and what the song's about. And, and sometimes it comes because of, an experience you know I can have a very very profound experience and it just comes it's just like okay I have to just get the guitar and get this out you know it's like it just needs to come through me as a form of just expression it's almost like a purging mm -hmm. you know it's almost it's like I need to just get let this come through me so it comes through in different ways but it's never really like a a premeditated thing of like today I'm gonna write that song you know it's like so it never I, I wonder I wonder if you if you ever think of this or have ever realized this or or been made aware of this but like a lot of artistic people who are like starting out or they want to become artistic people um or, or cultivate that that creativity um or maybe they're they're even pretty good at what they do and they're just struggling with breaking through creative you know creatively um but you're talking about grabbing that phone capturing that song making sure that you don't miss it i know that i might be the guiltiest doofus in the world for not grabbing my phone, not recording that song, that guitar lick or those lyrics or whatever, because either I don't think it's worth it, right? Which comes from a place of thinking I'm not good enough, which we can get to, in a, which I want to get back to that in a minute. Um, or, or it comes from a place of laziness. Like if I'm, a, if I'm laying in bed and I'm, I'm, I'm almost asleep and then that's usually when the really good shit happens, at least for me. Um, and not conditioning myself, you know, to, to roll over, grab my phone, and and put it in there and um you know i was just talking to to my friend will evans the other day who's another musician like yourself and and um that's one of the big things he's been beating on me about is you know and i and i've been much better because of him over the last couple of months of making sure that that stuff makes it into my phone um i carry yeah. carry a journal with me everywhere i go now 
And um, for anyone listening to this who's trying to cultivate that, that, that artistry, I can't, I, mean, I can't say enough about how much that will do for you. To, to be, you owe it to yourself to get that out. And the more that you dedicate yourself to getting that out, I feel like the more it flows through you. Has that been your experience at your yeah, yeah. what you do? 100%. And also, like, there's been a lot. I'm lucky to have a really good partner because a lot of the time, you know, I won't do that. You know, there, there are times where I'm, like, I'm the same. I'll start, I'll just be playing, you know, and, or I'll have an idea and I'll be like, oh, this is quite nice, you know. And then I'll just be kind of like strumming along and I'll be like, oh, that's a nice idea. And Molly, my partner, is like, record that. You need to record that. And I'm like, what? Oh, okay. And then I'll do it. And then later I'm like, wow, thank you so much. Because then it becomes <laughs> like my favorite song, you know. But a lot of the time, yeah, there is, there is some kind of, um, I don't know, I guess the way that I live, you know, I've definitely been accused of being, you know, very kind of just kind of to go with the flow and very, you know, I, I don't that. really, I'm, I'm not so, so much like, uh, I'm not so driven and like, you know, I don't have so much that I strive for so much in, in life in that way. But yeah, with music, it, and it's always been that way with music, it's always either come or it hasn't. And if it hasn't, then I'm not really bothered, you know, and if it comes, then amazing, you know, wonderful. But I'm not like living for it in that sense of like, you know, I'm not searching for it in that way, you know, I, I really, I feel, and this kind of comes into my, the, the kind of spiritual side of, of my life in that sense as well, is that I'm not like so much striving or searching in that way, it, it has to come natural for me. And that's always been the way, you know, with me, it's never been, you know, I, was, I have dyslexia, I've never been good at school, I was always in the bottom classes, I never studied guitar or music or singing or any of that, it just came. It was just a very natural process, you know, and I was never into sport or anything like that. So I was kind of like an outsider at school, you know, I was kind of misfit, a bit of a weirdo, because I was always questioning, like, about the universe and, and life and why are we here. And, you know, I was always thinking about different things, whereas other kids would, would be playing video games and playing football. And so my guitar was kind of like my solace. That was my place where... You know, I just felt at home. I felt this sense of peace. And it's a meditation also because when I'm playing or I'm singing, I'm just in that flow state. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast next. You know, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just here. I'm just present. And so I realized now, I didn't know that then. You know, I started playing guitar when I was seven years old. I didn't know that then. But that was why I was drawn to it. Same with skateboarding. You know, I love skateboarding. And that was why. You know, I didn't understand it before, but I realize now that I can't think when I'm skating. Because if I, if I think, then I'm going to fall off and I'm going to hit this. <laughs> so I have to just be present. I have to be in that flow. I have to be in the moment. And so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not striving so much for it in that way or like trying. Um, so I think which that's, might, a, that's, yeah. a big, that's a big thing for me in the past and for a lot of people, I think, is, is trying to force the creativity to come out. You know, yes. and so not not everyone's gonna be Sam Garrett. It's just not gonna work that way, right? Not everyone's gonna, you know, be built yeah. the way that you are and have dyslexia and you know, be a be a weirdo at school. Now, some of us were like that. I can, you know, <laughs> I, I can understand how that works. Um, you know, but but you know, not everyone's gonna just have that natural ability there. But if you make space for it in your life, you know, and that's yeah. a big thing that. We talk about a lot on the show is just you know a lot of people have the interest in playing a guitar, picking up a guitar, you know, or a or a trumpet or a pencil, you know, to do sketches or a paintbrush and an easel or, um, you know, to cook 
you know, to, to get into the culinary stuff. And a lot of people really want to do that. We've got to make space for it in our lives. You know, you mentioned earlier how difficult it can be when you have uh, kiddos and you got work and responsibility and, and, and the rest of it. And a lot of times I think that we, it's really easy to sort of just dive toward distraction sometimes. Mm-hmm. For me, it's super easy um, yeah. just to kind of get my brain out of it. Um, but I think the more that you cultivate, what to me makes art, one of the many things that makes art, it's so, so beautiful and amazing and empowering is that you can sort of go to that as a, as your distraction. Yeah. And, and and then it, and then that distraction will become medicine and will become a teacher, you know, um, and, and will fill parts of your soul as an artist that you were missing. And, I think the reason why we don't do that as much, especially our kids these days, is like we have video games, particularly video games that are like designed to be the most hyper stimulating, like neurologically crazy thing that you can make. And they're easy. So you you pick it up. It's all delivered to you. You've got a controller in your hand. The images come. The stimulation comes. Everything is just blasted at you. You can just sit there and stare at it. With art, with with, with whatever kind of art it is, you know, th- there's an on ramp to it. You gotta, you gotta work at it to get good at it. You gotta get somewhere before the stimulation overwhelms the frustration of learning something new. But I think that's, you know, that's that's part of the beauty of it is helping people to do that kind of stuff. Yes, and I think you mentioned something there. You said uh, we have to cultivate, and that's a really important word for me. It's like you, you know, for me. I always spent so, and still do, like, spent so much time just with my guitar, you know, for years I couldn't play it, I didn't know, like, what I was doing, but just feeling it and getting to know it and just sort of bashing around and just hearing the sound and the vibration and, you know, I spent so many days that I can remember just being a kid, like, going to school and just being so excited to get home and close my door and just bash my guitar, you know, and just like make sound and just express myself in that way. And and so I think, yeah, the most important thing that we can do is, is to, to practice and to really focus. And like you say, it's so easy, especially within our culture today, is like, let's just numb ourselves with television or social media. Let's numb ourselves with, you know, there's so many distractions for us, but I think we have to use our time wisely. Yeah. You have to find what you love and you have to focus on it and you have to use your time to really focus and to, to practice what you love. You know, and for me, um, surfing is, some, is something that I've just recently found. Um, never really been uh, into surfing. I didn't, you know, I never tried it before. And it was something that I thought, you know, I'll, I'll be great at it because I can skateboard. I was going to say it's a skateboard it's on water, right? Yeah, but it, it took me so long and, and when spending some time in California and just learning to surf and, you know, it's one of those things where you have to have patience, you know, and I, I had the arrogance to think, oh, I'm just going to go in there and it's just going to kind of, I'm going to just get it, you know, because I can skateboard. And so I thought it was going to be the same, but it's very, very different and there's so many other elements to it, you know the paddling and the upper strength that you have to have in order to do that and catching the wave at the right time, jumping up and getting on it and do all those things. So, you know, with anything in life, you know, we have to give time, have to give time. We have to give our attention and presence to whatever it is. And, um, you know, music also, it wasn't that, you know, music just came to me like that. You know, I started playing when I was very, very young. You know, most people pick up a guitar and instrument when they're older. 
but for me, I was always fascinated by music. Music was always around my house, and there was always the guitar. So when I was that young, it was like, okay, yeah, now I wanna, I wanna do this. This is something that I wanted to do. So it took me a lot longer. You know, my brother picked up a guitar much later on in life, but he excelled at it much quicker. He studied music at university, all these things, much more academically and intellectually minded, much more than I am. So, um, whereas I'm more practical, more hands-on, you know, I have to like, I can't really be told how to do something. I just have to figure it out. You know, I have to like, it, I have to just sit down and just like work it. It takes uh, me a I lot. Wonder, I wonder, you know, and I, I wonder this often because I'm fascinated by what, what are usually called learning disorders like dyslexia and dysgraphia and things like that, which my own kids I've got experience with in my family, um, mm. you know, and, and elsewhere within my family. Uh, my brother's dyslexic, uh, and my son is, and I don't see these necessarily as learning disorders at all. They're they're learning disorders in the current system of schooling, right? Mm -hmm. This way of learning things, you know, anything that doesn't align with the current way that you know the public school system works, is a disorder exactly. to that order. Yes. Um, but what what oftentimes is you find these these people have incredible gifts that you know someone who can sit there and take a multiple choice test for five hours can't imagine right you yeah. know my 14 year old son is um he's, he's got a beautiful voice he loves to sing but he's also he's he's got the mind of like jrr tolkien you know or george martin he's <laughs> he's creating worlds and writing it all down and developing this whole right. universe that by the time he's 21 years old he'll be the new jk rowling or something you know what i mean but yeah. um but writing is very difficult for him. Like the physical act of writing is very difficult. And, and sitting in, in school, taking a multiple choice test for, for hours is not possible for him, you mm -hmm. know? And so I think we have this dis disconnect in, you know, in, in our, at least in our Western world, where we're not really, again, we're, we're not creating space for those, for, for, for kids with that sort of mind and with those gifts. And uh, mm -hmm. going back to that word cultivating, you know, you're a dad, mm -hmm. I'm a dad. And to help our kids, and, to, and lots of people who listen to this to this podcast are, are, are parents, and that's a, a lot. Of, a lot of what we talk about here is is, is parenting, mindful parenting, conscious parenting. Um, uh, you know, cultivating these gifts within your kids and reminding them that there there's nothing wrong with with your kiddo because they can't sit there in a desk for four hours in a square room with a square ceiling tiles with square whiteboards with a square tablet <laughs> and stare at their square <laughs> piece of paper and fill in squares. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, it's enough to drive somebody fucking crazy, man. Yeah, and um, yeah. and, and, we, and we, we tell them they've got disorders. So as parents, this is just kind of a reminder, for, at least from my end. And Sam, you know, tell me what your thoughts are on this. But, you know, just a reminder that, you know, we we are responsible for our kiddos. And they, they're, they're such a – it's a blessing. We say in our house and on the show all the time, the journey is the goal. Yes. The journey is the goal. And we talked about walking across the parking lot, right? You know, step by step, everything <laughs> intentionally. Um, the journey of raising your kids is the yeah. goal. It's not about what happens. It's not you, you know. It's not just what what happens when they're forty years old. It's it's every moment, every day. What can I do to invest and to spend yeah. time with and to comfort and to nurture and to support and to teach and direct yeah. and to help cultivate and channel their their natural energies into productive outlets. Um, and in that process you will develop a better relationship with your kids than what you could possibly imagine. It's the, we don't just have to drop them off at school the way we're programmed. Drop them off at school, go to work, come home, pick them up, 
homework, dinner, shower, bed, repeat. It, it, that's yeah. not that's not how we have to interact with our kids, and that's not how we have to have that relationship. So, Sam, what do you think, man? What's what's the deal? Can, does that make any sense to you? Yeah, one hundred percent. I really resonate with that, especially when you said, you know, about the disorder because you're not fitting into this order. You're not fitting into this model of how you should be. And if you don't fit into that box, then instantly, well, you know, and that's what happened to me at school. You know, I didn't fit into that that model, you know, because even in my music class, you know, all I wanted to do was like bang on the drums and like play, you know, I just wanted to play and to sing, to express. But I was told, no, 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 we have to do it like this. We have to do it like this. And you're not supposed to be like that. That's too, you know, out of order. You know, you need to be within the order, within the establishment, yep. within the system. And I think that's a very uh, worrying and dangerous thing. Because I think what we need to be doing is encouraging and recognizing the the beauty and diversity of children, you know. And uh, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but it might have uh, might have been Ramdas. He said about trees, you know, when you go into a forest, you see all these different types of trees. You know, some are growing sideways and they're wonky and they look a bit weird, and others look, you know, beautifully perfect and beautiful leaves and. Others, you know, they have things, you know, falling off and they're broken in certain places. But they're all trees and all, there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty in that diversity. That's what makes a forest or, or a woodland so beautiful. And so he said, and so I like to see people in the same way. So now when I see people, I see them like I see the trees. You know, some of them look at a certain way. Some of them are a bit disjointed. Some of them are a bit crazy. Some of them are very prestigious and you know but it's we're all this you know it, it's all diverse and it's all beautiful and so i think we have to see children in the same way you know and not to also in the way that we see them you know because we can also put them into a category of how we want them to be yeah you know and like how we we perceive them and how we think you know this is how you should be and i think for me a great thing that i've been learning and i've been experiencing is just to you know, to, to guide and to nurture, but not to impose and to force what I believe they should be like. You know, I'm not, not trying to make uh, my daughter understand all the all these spiritual things that I love, you know. But if she, you know, she comes to that in her own way, you know, when, when she uh, she comes to me and sometimes, you know, she will do like, she'll put her hands and go, namaste. And she does it in a very playful way, you know. Yeah. But that's not that's not me imposing on her saying you have to be like this, you know, because that would be dangerous. I think they have to, they we have to nurture them, um, and we have to allow them to grow in their own unique way. But I think, yeah, there's a great there's a great thing in society where, you know, not just with children, it's the whole system. You know, you start in the educational system, then you go into the workplace, and that's a whole another system, and it's the same kind of structure throughout, you know, and unless you're kind of fitting into that. And I've had that in my own life, you know, being kind of ostracized and being treated differently because I don't fit in with that kind of way, you know. I have respect for that. I, I can see, yeah, there is a place for that. But um, everyone is different. And so I think we have to celebrate diversity. I'm with that. I'm with that 100%. And I know what you mean. You know, it's um, when you talk about not trying to enforce anything on your kids. Like, you know, to, to impose anything on your kids, yeah. you know, because I've got some wacky ass spiritual beliefs, man. 
and I know that. Like anybody who follows the show and the Instagram platform, you guys know I believe in some crazy shit. But but at the end of the day, like to me, it was important because we we live in in in, in Texas, and Texas is is what here in the states we call this. It's part of the Bible Belt, which is this section of the country that is sort of swept by, you know, Southern Baptist or Protestant Christianity, you know, Bible thumping people. And it's much better in Dallas than maybe it used to be in, in some ways. But, um, you know, to sort of, I don't want to say combat that, but yeah, to, to combat the sort of closed mindedness that comes with that, you know, we in our house just, we had to have some conversations around religion and spirituality, you know, and so it's just for for us in our house, we talk to the kiddos and we'll just say, you know, there are Christians and there are Jewish people and there are Muslims and there are Hindus and there are Buddhists and there, you know, are all these different people. And there are people who who have live in tribes and who have all these different beliefs on things. And back in the day, there were Greeks that had mythology and there were Egyptians that had mythology. And there's been many gods and many ways of worshiping. So if you go into our house. It's full of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the Bible, the Quran, you know, the Torah. We've got everything we can find on, on tribal cultures all over our, our home. And we take road trips around the United States and we'll take it like every summer. We take a two week road trip and we have a, a camper uh, that we pull behind the, the truck. And so we'll go up into the desert and we'll go into like Sedona and Colorado and Utah and Yellowstone and. And we'll stop at all of the native sites that we can find. You know, we've my kids have climbed up cliffs on private property with permission um, to go check out cave paintings and and uh, cliff paintings and things like that. And then we'll go talk to the native people about it. And I never wanted to impose my beliefs on my kids, but I wanted to expose them to everything that I possibly could. You know, and um, I've got a nine-year-old, I've got a fourteen-year-old, and so obviously. At different ages, kids are able to uh, able and interested to understand, you know, different levels of understanding about things. And yeah. all kids are different. But as a parent, to me, raising kids in this day and age where there's just so much there's so much diversity of opinion and there's so much interconnection around it and there's so much controversy in some ways. But in the midst of it all, there's a there, there are some beautiful truths that can be understood. There's so many rivers, but they all reach the sea. And. Mm -hmm. If I could just get my kids to understand that, then I feel like the more that I see them blossoming and coming into that realization and wanting to have those conversations with me, like the better I feel about the job I've done. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. You know, you're giving them, you're giving them the whole picture. You're giving them the whole thing and not just saying, you know, well, just look at this. It just, you're, you're showing them, you know, this is the diversity of life and different cultures and the way that different people view the world. And I think, that's really education. Instead of sitting them down saying, this is how it is, this is what I want you to regurgitate back to me, but just giving them the information, letting them make up their own minds of how they want to interact with that and how that feels for them, and having conversations with them, you know, when they're of age to like, you know, talk about those things, have, have conversations, have debates about different things and different viewpoints, different opinions. I think that's really healthy. And I think what isn't so healthy in my, my own opinion, my own seeing is just this sense of of being very dogmatic of yeah. being this you know unless you are you know solely believing in jesus christ as the return side then you're not going to make it you know i think that's very dangerous and i and and at the same time i see where that comes from and i have compassion for that and i have a deep understanding of 
of, of that and where that comes from. But I think for me in, in my life and especially in the last few years, I've been trying to move as far away as I can from of dogma and just coming into this unification of all life, unification of all ways, you know, of all the tribal cultures, of all the religions, of all the spiritual disciplines, and just to just to be more educated on them and to learn from them because there's so much wisdom. And I think that the trouble with, with, with being dogmatic is that the minute that we think we know something, we close ourselves off from the possibility of learning more yeah. and to grow again and, and, and to evolve in. And I think as, a, as the human species, we, we need to evolve. We need to awaken to, to higher states of consciousness where we can become just more united, more, you know, less uh, divisive and less separated and less, you know, when you look at the world with so many different viewpoints and they're all beautiful in their way and something that I'm always really touched by and something that I was always touched by by uh, my guru, Muji, is that he also venerates all different paths and he never says to anyone, this is the way. He always says, go and sit with other teachers, go and sit with plant medicine, go and sit with different people in different ways and read books from different traditions because the truth, like you said, the, the truth is one, but it goes in many, many different ways. And I think that, that that's what I was saying at the beginning is this, this truth, this life is one, but it manifests in all these unique expressions. And the more that we can learn to appreciate and practice that deep appreciation for life, for all of life, then I think that we can come into a deeper harmony and we could even see a very, very different world. Um, yeah. Something I think that's so beautiful about Eastern philosophy and, and it was also present in, and is present in, in so many of like the different tribal and shamanic cultures around the world throughout, throughout time is um, the relationship with death and the relationship with challenge, the relationship with failure, the relationship with loss and adversity. And these are things that I think that our, our, our society today has completely tried to remove all sense of adversity and challenge and ill feelings and death and, you know, all these things from the minds and lives of, of, of you know, the people. And when, when, you, when you do that, you disconnect from the natural cycle of things, you know, because if you I was talking to my 14 year old yesterday and had this amazing, beautiful conversation with him and we were talking about challenge and and um you know and pride and i said you know if you, if you don't ever accomplish anything what do you have to be proud of it's hard to be happy with yourself if you're not accomplishing something you know positive if you're not you know overcoming some sort of challenge or whatever but we live in this society where they've th sort of tried to remove all of that from everyone and i think you know the biggest the biggest uh thing that particularly like the medical community and stuff we, we try to overcome death people are afraid of death they're scared of it. it it seems like this this terminal ending to this you know to this uh this this adventure that we're in and that's it and i feel like when you make people afraid of death as a society i think a lot of a lot of bad things come out of that and a lot of unnatural behavior comes out of that and people become a lot easier to control mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on death what are what are what do you think of that as is you know because you, you the and i don't know all of your spiritual background and beliefs but i think we i understand each other pretty well you know yeah 
when, when you look at the Eastern philosophies and a lot of the ancient wisdom around death, and you then you look at our modern society's view on deaths, almost whether you're Christian or or religious or atheist or whatever, like what do you think the implications of that are in terms of our, our different relationship with death, our fear of death and, and our, our lack of understanding of the natural natural cycle of, of things? How is that impacting us? Is that good or bad? I think in our society in the West, we're definitely cut off from, you know, if you look at the Eastern traditions and, you know, a lot of the shaman culture and a lot of different native traditions around the world, there is this kind of almost like an embracing of death because it's kind of like the unknown. There's, there's almost like this sense of, um, they're almost like curious about it and inquisitive about it and they want to know about it. And so, you know, whether it's through meditation or yoga or plant medicine or whatever it is, fasting or through the use of, you know, some hallucinogen or through something that they're, they're, they're looking at death, they're facing their fears. And I think within our society and our culture, we've kind of like distanced ourselves from that, you know, because I, from my own experience, I, I feel that we're afraid, you know, there's a lot of fear around death. And so we don't want to acknowledge it. And so it's a big taboo in our culture is death. You know, nobody mm -hmm. wants to talk about death. Nobody wants to think about it. We all try and put it off till the very last minute and it's like this big thing and then we you know we bury people in coffins so we can't see them and like we you know there's, there's this kind of thing when i went to india i went to a place called varanasi where they're burning bodies 24 hours a day they're just burning these bodies and you know i'd never seen a dead body in my life you know so for me that was also like confronting it was also like wow i've never like even you know seen a dead body i've never like even really thought about death in that way and but there was some part of me that felt really comfortable about it it just felt like yeah that is just that's just part of life that's just like the natural cycle of life and to be afraid of that or to be like you know somehow kind of like pushing it under the carpet and not wanting to talk about it not wanting to see it you know we have to like also have these conversations about it and maybe inquire because what, what I see is, yeah, through that, there is this kind of, almost like this suppression that happens, you know, about, you know, it's not, I don't feel like it's just with death, it's, it's kind of like with, with many other things, but I see that it's kind of like... What happens with sex as well, so like sex and death right. being two of the things that are like most primal and most like infused into us as living, procreating beings, right? Sex and death. Right. And, what two things are suppressed and, and, and more toxically charged than our relationship with right. as a modern society than with sex and death, you know? Of course. And so then also when you suppress things, they also come out in really weird ways and yeah. produce it. You know, then people start having weird, you know, things happen, you know, because of that, you know, whenever you see this kind of suppression, you're always going to see a reaction yeah. from that can come out in, you know, courts, as we know in our world, many, many 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 ways but yeah i think that i think i was always drawn to you know kind of eastern philosophy and different cultures you know when i was young i was really into uh, rastafari and this kind of like wildness that i felt around rastafari and like smoking ganja which then <laughs> and dreadlocks which then led me to you know being uh, really interested in sadhus from india and like you know i could see this kind of connection between the two 
And so I was always fascinated by that because I always felt this kind of fearlessness. I always felt this kind of like, I'm not afraid of these taboos about life. I'm just here in my fullness. And I'm just like here to live fully. I don't want to live in fear. I just want to live. And, and you know, they even have in, in India, they have these Agori Babas who they meditate on on dead bodies and they have human skulls and they have, you know, they're really, you know, they go deep into the taboo around death right. and they welcome it in That's dope. in order to overcome the fear. I'm into exactly. that. That'd be yeah. pretty cool. I'd like to go be a part of that. That'd be a crazy thing. I, I'm, I'm so fascinated by so much of that stuff and, and I'm going to get to India one day and, and go see all of this crazy stuff, but it's, it's not just India. It's everywhere. It's, it's all this, yeah. like the, uh, the sun dance, um, of the, uh, I think it's the, the Sioux, the Lakota Sioux, or maybe I, I'm, I, I don't know who it is. Some friends of mine are, um, uh, who, who became friends through the standing rock thing and all of that, uh, they attended a Sundance and they told us about how this whole thing went. And they, you've got these these native warriors hanging themselves on meat hooks from trees, and, you know, and everyone's chanting and riding their horses around these things. And there's all of this. There's there's pain. There's bloodshed, you know, but there's this tribal empowerment thing that's all happening. And it's all attached to this holy tree that they they dig up. They dig a hole. They throw a bison heart in the bottom of the hole. They drop this giant pine tree that the, 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 the tribal shaman picks out into the hole. Then these braves hoist themselves up on meat hooks from their back. Yeah. There's so many um, the uh, the Dia, Dia de los Muertos, you know, which I think is an ancient Aztec Mexican thing. There are so many ceremonies around the world in different tribal uh, settings around challenge and death and the embracing of it as a natural means of a natural part of life, a natural aspect of our existence as humans. And then you, you look at how sanitized and just whitewashed and watered down our society is. It's completely that those things seem so taboo and so insane and so crazy and barbaric. And you're like, man, it's, it's, it's who we are for people. Yes. It's, it's part of what we do. And I think a big part of that, like, a big a big part of that is is plant medicine like the 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 use and the implementation of of uh of plant medicine and it's any any culture and its relationship to plant medicine says a lot about that culture you know because there are there are tribal cultures around the world now and throughout history um even some of the highest civilizations we can think of like the greeks and like the Mayans and like the Egyptians that were that were working at the highest levels in their priesthood were working with plant medicine. And the society was governed by not just some some egoic tyrant or whatever, but, you know, by some possibly a boy king who was initiated at 14 years old with some psychedelics and sent out in the woods to go <laughs> to go meet his spirit guides. You know what I mean? And come back. Don't come back till you have a fucking name. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, we take our 14 year olds and we give them Pornhub. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> but one's barbaric and one is modernity, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I a big part of this show is is a big part of my life's work. My goal, if I can do anything, is to help people. I don't I don't need people running off to the Amazon to go live with the shamans and run barefoot in the woods. It's not really what I want to do. But if we can help integrate some of this spiritual wisdom and some of the shamanic wisdom and, and help to 
identify and re-implement some of this ancient wisdom that that held the world together for so long and that held so many societies together for so long like that'd be really cool um it'd be really cool and i think that plant medicine is sort of a central part of that is our society is now starting to have a different relationship with plant medicine which is cool we're seeing psychedelics become legalized i don't know what are they looking like in the uk because over here they're starting to legalize like mushrooms and some things in, in a lot of places I don't. I know that there's research going on with mushrooms. I know that they're talking about um, legalizing uh, cannabis for basically for medicinal purposes. So you guys don't have legal cannabis there either. No. So there's like talk, and you know, there's there's things happening. There was a big thing about a young girl who you know was really suffering and, and, and nearly died because she couldn't get the medicine. And uh, and then in the end, they were they were okay. They allowed it, but there was this whole hoo-ha about the law and all this stuff. And you know, it's it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of uh, a bit crazy here in, in terms of that. There's a whole you know system where you have to go through different levels of people in order to pass certain things. And yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of I don't know. It's very old-fashioned, and again, it's very like you know, Western in that way, you know, it's very like stuck in that mode. Have you ever, and... have you ever heard of a guy named Graham Hancock? Oh, I love, yeah, I've met Graham. I love Graham. Yeah. You know, I've spent some time with Graham. Yeah. Um, amazing guy. Amazing guy. Amazing. We spent, uh, my, my girlfriend, Ashley and I, we went to, I actually met him twice. Um, but, uh, the one, one time I sent him an email. He happened to be over here. We were camping in Arkansas and he ha he happened to be doing a conference about an hour away and and my girlfriend said hey isn't Graham doing a conference like an hour away and we're out in the mountains in the middle of nowhere and she's like you ought to shoot him an email so I did and so he, anyway he gave me 30 minutes of his time we met up discussed some ideas some things I was working on he was so gracious to pull himself away for you know a half hour of a conference to come sit with some random dude that emailed him but we connected over that um, and then the following year I attended that conference for three days and spent time with him and his wife Santa and sat there next to Santa while he presented with my girlfriend and stuff and got to spend some time with her and what a powerful woman she is, man. Just a, a little Indian stick of dynamite. Mm. What yeah. a beautiful, beautiful people. But anyway, Graham, Graham says that like politicians shouldn't be allowed to take office till they've done like a dozen ayahuasca sessions. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> so good. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of yeah, sense, it man. Sense. It's, it's hard to face your shit. Like I, I, that, for me, that was a big thing was, was taking psychedelics, seeing a lot of things about myself, primarily as a father, that I was really not doing well, and coming back the next day and setting my kids down. Well, I, I, gave it, I gave it time. I let it breathe. I gave it a couple weeks. But I set my kids down, and I said, guys, I've really not been doing a great job <laughs> at this parenting thing. I did my best, and I love you. But going forward, we're going to do some things different. You're going to see some changes here. And for me, and I do, I, I like talking about this. I know a lot of people have heard this on the show before, but it, for anyone who hasn't, you know, parents come to me all the time on, through the Instagram and through the show wanting to talk about how to have these discussions with your kids. And it, for me, it started out with this. I said, guys, I messed up. I want to do better. I want to have a, I want to have a deep connected relationship with you. I want to be your father and be supportive and loving and be all the things you need me to be. So I'm going to mess up sometime and I'm going to make mistakes and I might snap at you. And I might be short, I might have a bad day, and I might not, you know, handle myself well. In those moments, I don't ever want you to take it personally. I don't ever want you to take ownership of it because no matter what I or anyone else ever says, 
you're loved and you're beautiful and you're amazing and you matter. And um, maybe in the moment it's not always the best time, but if I do something stupid or short or whatever, let me let me breathe maybe and then hit me with it an hour or two later and be like, hey, Dad, how you doing? Earlier you seemed kind of short, you know? <laughs> if I ever make you yeah. feel less than or do anything like that, call me out on it. And if you don't want to do it in that moment, if you want to let it breathe, do it. But, dude, my kids have done that a lot ever mm. since. And they've been heard. And our relationship has flourished. And it all started with me taking a big dose of mushrooms and seeing a lot of things about myself I didn't know and that I was willing to improve. And so I go back to them seasonally. That's just my, my, my relationship with them is I'll go back to them, you know, once every quarter, once every six months and just check in on how I'm doing, you know. And a lot of times that redirection, there's redirection that helps. And a lot of times, you know, um, it's just kind of a beautiful reconnection with divinity that gets me back into the, the mind, body, spirit space that I want to be in. But um, that's been my relationship with, with, with plant medicine, in particular mushrooms, which I have a, you know, a real special relationship with has been when I think of myself as a father, which I think of myself as a father first and foremost in this world. And um, the relationship I've cultivated with my kids through, through mushrooms has been something I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. It's the most valuable thing in the world to me. Do you have, do you have experience, I'm assuming, with, with, with plant medicine? I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. Or... Yeah, I think it's really important. I feel that there's definitely, you know, there's so many things that we kind of hold inside of us and we push down and there's so much that through our lifetime that we just kind of are just holding on to. And that comes out in so many ways, you know, it's like what we were talking about earlier, but it comes out in really weird ways. It comes out in just being short and being snappy and being impatient and being frustrated. And, you know, and, and, and I feel like with plant medicine in my experience and what you were just confirming is that it gives us the opportunity to really look at that stuff and to really understand, you know, and and I feel like my my, my own journey with plant medicine started when I was around 16. I had the same experience with mushrooms. I, I found out what they looked like and I knew that there was some around where I lived. I grew up in a very rural kind of area in the countryside and I went out and I just picked loads of these little psilocybin mushrooms and I put them on the bag and I didn't know how many to take or what was the kind of normal <laughs> dose or anything, you know. And um, oh. my brother, but my brother had already been, you know, he was taking mushrooms, peyote, and, you know, he'd done LSD and things. I'd never done anything like that. I'd just smoked weed. That was the only thing I'd done. And um, and so then, yeah, I, you know, I had all these mushrooms. I had, like, this whole, like, kind of carrier bag full of them. And I just put them in a, in a kind of uh, saucepan and put hot water in it. I thought, I'll just make a tea. So I made a very, like, typical English tea with a tea bag and some milk, and I put loads of sugar, and I just, like, mixed it. I mixed it all up and I strained, I strained the mushrooms. So I did you got, you got like a pound of mushrooms in there at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much was in there. It was a lot, of, a lot of mushrooms, like way too many for my first ever experience. But anyway, I just, I, I put them all in and I strained them and I, I drank this cup of tea and I went and I sat and in my house where, where we lived with my family, there was this kind of. Um, this kind of outbuilding, you know, and in there it was kind of like our den. We had like a pool table, we had instruments in there, we had like 
a sofa, we had a TV, like all these different things, a record player, piano, all this stuff. And that was kind of like our space, you know, and usually like our friends would come over, we'd jam, we'd smoke and we'd just chill. And so I thought, this is great. I'll go in there, I'll just like put on a film and I'll watch the film and see what happens. <laughs> and so I put on The Big Lebowski because it was one of my favorite films. I thought, yeah, no, I'll watch The Big Lebowski and we'll see what happens. And yeah, you're sporting Big Lebowski vibes right now. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then so I'm, I'm in there and, you know, this, I start to see that the wall, you know, like I start to notice that the walls have energy coming they're breathing the at you. They're breathing and they're vibrating and they're moving. And it's kind of getting closer to me and I start to like, you know, feel, you know, those kind of, um, I don't know what you call it, but those feelings where they're kind of like going up oh, yeah. in, from your belly, like going from your toes and like up and feeling all of this. And then I'm like, wow, I am like, within like a moment, I started to realize like I'm really starting to trip. And it became really, really deep. And at some point, I just remember like I could not watch the, the the film because it was too much. Right. Like it was, there was so much going on that I was like it was as if I was in the film, and I was being like thrown down the bowling alley. And it was like you know when he's like going down the bowling yeah, alley, yeah. I was like okay, I'm in this film. And so I like I remember turning it off, and and I remember thinking right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to my bedroom. My parents were in the, the living room. They had no idea <laughs> that I was on mushrooms, so I didn't tell them. And they were just like, are you, are you okay? Like, you know, uh, do you need me? I can't remember what they said. They said something. They were watching television. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just going to go to bed. And then um, I must have said something to my mum. My mum, no, my dad wasn't there. My dad was working. I must have said something to my mum. And my mum said, uh, no, I said to my mum, when's dad coming home? And she was like, oh, he'll be back later. So when he did come home, she said, oh, Sam asked for you earlier. You know, so I'm in my bedroom under my blanket at this point, just sitting under my blanket, completely in pitch black, just like pure closed eyes vi visuals, like going into like all the different, you know, geometrical shapes and patterns and through all these different like waves <laughs> of different planes of reality and all this kind of stuff happening. And my dad comes in and it was the weirdest thing because I noticed that I was just in this kind of world in my under my duvet. <laughs> And all of a sudden the door opens and I noticed the sound of the door and it was literally like this whole other world <laughs> came into my room. And my dad just said, Are you, you know, at this point I'm underneath my duvet, just sitting underneath my blanket, just like, wow. And my dad just goes, are you all right, Sam? Your, your mom said that you asked for me or something like that. Like, no, 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 I was just wondering where. And just even to say the words and to even string together a sentence at that point of like, no, 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 I was just, you know, wondering what time, it felt like it was going in slow motion, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, my dad's just kind of like, okay, whatever, like, you know, closes the door and leaves me. And, and anyway, that was, and I went through this whole experience, ended up, you know, I don't know what time I went to bed, and ended up waking up. But when I woke up, I remember I, I took my two dogs for a walk the next morning, and I went out into the woodland where I normally go. But it was literally as if I'd been reborn. Yeah. It was as if my the whole sleigh had been completely washed clean. And it was like I was noticing everything again as if I was a small child, as if seeing it for the first time. You know, I woke up and I just went out and I went walking and it was like I could breathe for the first time. It's like I could actually feel the wind. Mm -hmm. I could actually hear the birds. 
you know, it was as if I'd never heard the birds before, you know, all these things. It was like everything was so sensitive. And I think from that time, that that level of sensitivity, you know, it, obviously it comes and goes. But what what's always stuck with me is that sense of everything is alive. Yeah. Everything is alive and I am alive. And, 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 and just this this kind of connection, this relationship that I have to life and seeing everything with those eyes. And, and I think it's very helpful to then, like you say, every now and again, however long you want to do it, is to again, touch base with that place, touch base with that experience to almost wipe the slate clean, to press that restart button and to come back with a fresh perspective, you know, because we do, we collect things, you know, over time, we collect things, we store things, and we hold things, and we carry things. And for me, psychedelics has been a really great way um, to kind of let that down for a moment, to have a look at it, to inquire, okay, what can I learn from this? What can I see through this? What is this teaching me? And also to come back to that state of just seeing with a very clear, very pure perspective on life, not to be so conditioned and so looking at life with our you know, again, those glasses that we wear. So I think for me, that's something that I've always taken. It's always connected me to the spirit of life. You know, I, I see the spirit in animals. I see the spirit in plants. I see the spirit in myself and other human beings and in so-called inanimate objects. You know, I see that everything is alive. And so for me, that's something that I really cherish and I really value. And with that comes a great humility you know, with that comes a great empathy and compassion for others and wanting to live in such a way that can cause as least harm as possible. You know, there's the self that we think that we are, the one that we see in the mirror, you know, the me that's looking back at me from the other side of the glass, whatever that world is on the other side of the mirror, you know, there's that me. And then whenever you take psychedelics, um, particularly in your case, you took a big dose of mushrooms. I, I would love, I would love to know how much you took. I just, I, out of yeah. sheer curiosity, because I, I'm, I'm certain it was some stupid amount that you had no no business taking. Yeah. Um, Paul Stamets, you know, are you familiar with Paul Stamets? I literally just watched the film Fantastic Fungi Did you a see few it? days ago, and, and I saw it, and I was like, oh my God, we literally had... A, sim a very similar experience with, with just kind of taking the whole thing. I wasn't up a tree and all of that, but yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah, love love Paul Stamets. Yeah, well, that that was that was the story I was going to ask if you'd ever heard. Was for anyone who doesn't know, Paul Stamets had a very similar story to Sam's. He got about twenty grams of mushrooms, I think, and he didn't know how much to take, so he just took the whole thing, and then he ended up up climbing up a tree in the middle of a thunderstorm, just wrapped around this tree in the middle of a thunderstorm. And um, and he had a really bad stutter before that, and the stutter went away after that trip. I mean, stutters, speech impediments, you know, cognitive issues, traumas, all kinds of stuff. And where I was going earlier talking about the mirror is, you know, we look in the mirror and we see this version of ourselves, and we kind of walk around as that person, those clothes and that face and everything else. But whenever you take a big dose of mushrooms, um, you you're faced with a different self. And it's it's a deeper, truer, clearer version of that self. And then you, like you said, you see all the. I, I sort of see it as muck that's been piled on top of it. Like like if you were to take a light bulb and start wrapping mud around the light bulb, 
you know, to wrap some clay around the yeah. light bulb. And uh, psychedelics, or at least mushrooms for me, wash that off, which is, you know, it's more or less necessary depending on how you're living your life, right, and how you're integrating those lessons. I'm no saint by any means, but I try to be better every month than I was the month prior. Um, yes. But for me, what I realized, like you said, everything's alive, everything's connected. And um, uh, I think Terrence McKenna said that, you know, through psychedelics, we can be certain of one thing, and it's that nature seeks to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I think that that's an important thing is to, to be in communication with nature and with spirit and with your own nature and your own spirit. And for me, learning to understand myself, I was able to forgive myself. And then being able to forgive myself, I was able to love myself. And then that, that, that trinary pattern of like, like understand, forgive, and love became this explore, enlighten, evolve thing that this podcast was built on because I, th- there's this holy trinity of understanding and forgiveness and love that once you can conquer that, that spiral within your own heart and your mind, it spirals out into all of your relationships and interactions ultimately to the whole world. And that's, that's where I think... And I think that you think that that love ultimately is is this unstoppable, beautiful, powerful, powerful force that's at the core of who we are, yes. and it's it's forgiveness I think that allows that to flow, forgiveness and understanding. And that to me, I guess I think of Jesus Christ, the Buddha, you know, all those those higher self icons as being that ultimate love, understanding, and forgiveness. And you know, that's that's how I view it. And I think also vulnerability plays a big part into it as well for me that's also something is that yeah it's very easy to to walk around with arrogance and feel like we know certain things and be very confident my experience with psychedelics is is made me become very vulnerable yes. it's made me to like you say is to confront that muck and to look at it and go wow i i do have shit to look at and to sort out and you know, I've also had the same thing, you know, with, with being a father and fatherhood and, you know, after taking mushrooms, like wanting to just call my daughter right away and be like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I just want to, you know, or whatever it is. And I feel that is something that comes is that sense of recognition or like you say, that understanding that can come, that understanding of, okay, I can see now why that was playing itself out, why that pattern was there. You start to, it's almost like you start to unravel that muck and you start to really see the details of why that was there and you start to understand, you start to then have compassion and with that compassion comes that forgiveness. Start, You start to forgive yourself, you start to feel like, okay, I, I recognize that and I see that I'm, you know, I may not have acted in the best way in that moment and so... And I see why that came. And so there's compassion, there's understanding, there's forgiveness. With that, it also comes for others. Because you then start to look and you start to see the way that we as a collective behave in certain ways. You start to recognize that and you start to forgive and you start to have compassion. Because you can see what's at the root of that. Where is that coming from? You know, and I feel, yeah, and then ultimately with that comes that love. We start to love. We're not looking at people with, again, those eyes of judgment and projections of how we think they should or shouldn't be. We start to say, okay, I understand that. I can see why. 
that person might be angry or that person might be living in a very stressful, anxious way or whatever it is, you know, you start to see everyone as yourself. You start to see yourself in everyone. Everything becomes a kind of mirror Mm -hmm. for you to be able to reflect back to yourself. Whatever it is that I don't like in another is also within me. And so how is it that I can look at that and use that reflection to go deeper within my own self to unearth certain things that I find disgusting or distasteful about another? What is it in them? What is it in that situation that I don't like? And where is it within myself that I can dig deeper and look at that and find that? And I think psychedelics are are one way and a great way and a very powerful way in which we can do that. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, I I have, um, I think that, that for me, finding that place that psychedelics can take you was 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 critical for me to be able to to reaccess that state of consciousness or something like it through meditation and through yoga right so when i when i meditate or when i do yoga i can i can go back to some semblance of that same mountaintop you know and i don't know that i ever would have found my way to meditation or yoga without psychedelics um or found my way to that place you know and you know for me the yoga thing has been a huge thing meditation has been a huge thing and i'm not perfect with them man like i don't do them as often maybe as i should sometimes i go through phases where it's like every day for three four months and then i start you know falling off it's been a few days uh yeah. i hurt my shoulders and then you start making excuses but through all of that you know i was uh, to kind of take this way back to when i was talking about creating art earlier and and maybe not feeling like the song I was writing was worth writing down because it just wasn't worth it or whatever. And then tying that into psychedelics, tying that into meditation and these things. Again, I think what psychedelics showed me is that we, uh, we're all worthy of love. I didn't think I was worthy of love. And so when you don't think you're worthy of love, you don't, you don't give it quite so easily either. You know, I didn't hug my kids nearly enough. I've got two, you know, two, two boys. And as a father, you know, maybe I, I don't know what I thought, <laughs> you know, but I, I wasn't I wasn't hugging them enough. You know, I wasn't telling them I loved them enough. And mm-hmm. I saw my own relationship with my father on psychedelics. And I went, oh, OK, that's that's why you that's why you are the way you are. But you don't got to be that way. You know, you could be. And I think as as fathers, you know, we we have we have a role and we have duties around, you know, enforcing and supporting the masculine growth of our of our male children. But I think that, you know, having the feminine qualities and motherly qualities within ourselves, too, and having those things accessible and online to a reasonable degree is nothing but nourishing for the kiddos. I mean, it's, you know, my my boys are in jujitsu. They fight other kids. You know what I mean? They they do their classes. They ride bikes. They jump on trampolines. They play with all of our animals. Um, but we dance and we sing and we hug and, you know, and, uh, and we pray together, too. And um, I'm very thankful for that relationship because I wouldn't have. I, I, it wasn't always like that. It wasn't always like that. But along with all the other things that psychedelics taught me, they taught me that I was worthy of love and that if I was worthy of love, I could give it more freely. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that I get messages about when when people are l- reaching out to me for, for help or for guidance or whatever is ultimately what it comes down to. And they most people don't realize this because we're not programmed to look inward in this way. But it really comes down to self-love. And you can only love everyone else in the world 
you know, uh, as much as you can love yourself and through the lens that you love yourself or however you want to look at it. And some people, you know, you grow up in certain environments, you know, self-love, it can be extremely problematic for some people to conquer. Is, is that, have you ever struggled personally with, with those, those moments of doubt where you're just like, I'm not, I don't know if, if this song is worth, you know, worth, worth playing. I don't know if, if I'm any good. Yeah, have, have I to overcome those kinds of things. Yeah, I um, definitely. Yeah, I definitely struggled with. I had a, a kind of um, numerology chart done recently, and it said that you know you have this tendency to either go into extreme self doubt or extreme arrogance, and you need to find the balance in in between. Mm. And I've seen that play out in my life. You know, I've seen these two this kind of like pendulum swinging between the two and 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 then like finding myself again in that in that middle place where there's that balance there's that that feeling of just ah that feeling of just okay everything is how it's meant to be everything is in its right place you know but yeah i've definitely struggled with with self doubt and also you know just like i think for me i guess like what i was challenged with was more I always felt this kind of urge to to follow my dharma, to follow my path, and this kind of breaking away from the mold, breaking away from the norm. And, you know, within that, there was a lot of doubt, you know, there was a lot of doubt whether I was doing the right thing at times by following that, you know, because other I had to step away from certain people in my life that weren't wanting to go on that path with me. You know, and that, that was very challenging and very hard, you know, to be able to have to say, you know what, I'm going this way now. And and even though we've shared very closely and we spent many, many years together with friends and different people that I grew up with and certain things, you know, it's like now I have to follow my path, I have to follow my heart. And there was a lot of doubt that came with that, you know, there was a lot of kind of like, am I doing the right thing? It's, you know, How do you make that decision? How do you make that decision if you're doing the right thing? I think, you know, I think that, you know, within me, I already knew that it was the right thing, but still the mind was like, you can't do that. You know, like you can't go that way. Like that's, you know, what's going to happen if you do that? There's so are you fear saying follow the heart, not the mind? Yeah, fully. I mean, the mind, look, the mind is a really great tool. The mind is really good. The mind is actually in service to us, but we have to learn how to discern between because the mind is kind of two aspects, you know, there's the psychological part, which is all the thinking and anxiety and worry and stress and what people think of you and all of that stuff. And there's the, the kind of like practical mind, the pragmatic mind that we need to function in this world. So mind is a very great tool. It's only the psychological aspect of the mind that when unchecked becomes a little bit dangerous. And so we just have to have a little bit of discernment in, it, in, in order to be able to see when that is coming and so for me i've always been very heart based i've always just kind of like followed what i feel i've always been very intuitive with what i feel you know and other people around me were much more rational thinking and i was just like no it need, i need to go this way i need to do this i need to you know whatever it was and so yeah there were times where that doubt would kind of creep in you know where, where i'd made a decision and i knew that i was doing the right thing but then later that doubt you know that kind of fear kind of mind would come in and be like, you did the wrong thing. You, know, you should have stayed, you know, you should have stayed doing that or whatever. So 
yeah, you know, that doubt and that self-doubt has come in, but I've always been guided and I've always felt this very strong. I've also been very fortunate to have parents who always pushed me in that direction anyway. You know, both my parents, my mum, for example, wanted to go to art college. She was told that that was a stupid thing to do and that she should get a job in an office. And so that's what she ended up doing. And she hated it and she resented her parents' work. So when I was born and my brother was born, we were always told, even if you want to go and do ballet, we'll take you. Whatever it is you want to do, we'll support you 100%. And, it, and I always felt that love and that support. I always felt that from them. And so when it came to music and other things, you know, then spirituality a bit later on, that, that was always supported. Even if, that, you know, we would always discuss things. You know, our family dinners was always a debate, always a discussion. There was always something that we were talking about, whether it was music, spirituality, whatever it was, you know, about what we were eating, about the way that we live our lives, about society, about the universe. We were always questioning things as a kind of family unit. So in that sense, I've always had that kind of support lifting me. And so I've always kind of felt rooted in myself in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I haven't ever had to really question or had that kind of like self-doubt in that sense of like, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to, you know, amount to anything. I've also not really had such a strong drive in that way in order to feel like, you know, I'm never going to achieve this or achieve that because I never had such strong goals in terms of that, of becoming something, you know, in that way. Mm -hmm. It was always just very clear that music was my path. Music was my dharma. Music was my meditation. My music was my way to serve. My music was my place to heal. My music was everything. So that was always just encouraged. And my parents always saw that that was my path. So they were like, forget going to college, just play your guitar, just do, do your music. And, and, and it will it will come good, you know, it will, if that's what you're meant to be doing, then that's what you're meant to be doing, and they supported me in that. Um, and so then, yeah, I, please. I'm not just going to say this is such a beautiful story, you know, and I think that, and I think that you would agree with this, you know, you, you were very blessed to have that situation. Definitely, definitely. And at the same time, someone who was not so blessed and not so fortunate with that family and with that upbringing is blessed with a skill set. Yeah. And with and with certain, you know, there's this this opposing sort of thing going on there where, you know, a person because anyone who, who's hearing this, is, you know, shouldn't be thinking, oh, well, I didn't have that. So I can't, you know, whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. There are things that Sam does not have that you have. You know, there there yeah. are things that, that there's a there are calluses and scars and and strengths that, um, you know, that, that when you and, you know, you probably have some much better metaphorical sort of. Uh, metaphor for explaining this but you know when whenever you have something that really has to fight and struggle for survival and then fight and struggle to thrive you know there's a strength that comes from that it's that rose from the concrete sort of um, imagery you know and so it's such a beautiful thing to have supportive people around you you know for for me I was I certainly didn't have it quite like you had it but uh, you know my family didn't beat me down or anything right so i'm more on the middle end of that of, of, of that spectrum um but what i find is that and again i'm just well tying this back into psychedelics I, when i realized that, that that a lot of the friendships i was entertaining and a lot of the relationships i had weren't um aligned with maybe my best self so a lot of those things fell away and then i began to cultivate um 
new nourishing relationships. And some of those were like reconnecting with old friends from childhood I hadn't seen in 15 years that I knew had become good men, good fathers, good humans, good husbands, those kinds of things. And um, then when we did reconnect and when psychedelics were sort of a central thing that we we came into it together with, um, you know, all of a sudden you've got you've got these men around each other, lifting each other up and and, you know, trying to uh, sharpen each other because iron sharpens iron. And so I say all that just to say that, you know, not everyone comes from a, a beautiful, amazing, supportive family. In fact, some people come from the opposite of that. But. I think that the, the importance of of living in truth, seeking out authentic people that support you, I think is an extremely powerful thing. A community and tribe is a, is a very powerful thing. And I'll, I'll share something with you guys and with Sam um, that, that I, I found fascinating. And I haven't shared this with anyone else because we just started looking into this. But um, my girlfriend Ashley and I are fascinated with the etymology of words, like where do words come from and you know what 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 were they and so we were wondering like what was the difference between like family and tribe we were thinking about like genealogies and how blood is like so important to some people but like to my family blood's not that important you know the man that raised me as my father is not my blood father but he was everything to me so we were like what is where does family come from and so we looked it up, and I think it goes back to like Latin, it's like familis or something, but it means household servants. Mm-hmm. So family actually comes from this term of like, like blood family is like it's like a, it's a household thing. It's a it's a it's a family it's a household servant thing. Whereas you look at a word like tribe, and it came from this this much deeper, more you know soulful sort of connection. So it's yeah. like your family your genealogical family, they might be awesome and they might be amazing. But for anyone who's not living in that situation, I don't want anyone to ever feel like, you know, a lot of people talk about blood's thicker than water and all this other stuff, but not everyone has that kind of family. And so just be aware that you can build a tribe for yourself. You can, you can surround yourself with a circle of loving, supportive people that will then feed into all these things that, that we're talking about in this conversation, right? The more of your artistic creativity, more of your self-acceptance, more of your self-love, self-forgiveness, and all that stuff. Do you? How, how are you doing in your friendship circle, Sam? Do you have any friends? I bet you have yeah, lots of friends. <laughs> yeah, like I'm very blessed to have a lot of deep connections uh, with men and with women, but a lot of um, a lot of deep connections, and I don't even. It's not even like what you're saying. It's not even like friends to me. It is family, yeah. you know, and, and that's also going back to that sense of the more that we're stripping away those layers, we're really recognizing that we're all the same. Ultimately, we're, we're all the same one consciousness manifesting in different ways and brought up in different situations and different families. And you know, I have a lot of friends that have been through you know, intense, intense upbringings and experiences that they've been through. And something that I see is that, you know, in my own life as well, is that through hardship comes wisdom and strength. And really, you know, even if you're not in in this, you know, family unit where you, you know, you get on with your parents or you have a really loving relationship or whatever, you know, like you're saying, our family is, is so much broader and that we are really all connected. We are, we, we, we just are, we're all we're all of the earth, we're all humans, and we're all um, in this together, you know, so 
and yeah, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of friends and, you know, this community around me that I call my family because, you know, we, we all share the same values. We're all on the same kind of journey together, even though we're very, very unique and very different and even have, you know, different opinions about things and different ways that we live our lives. And yet there's this, there's this understanding, this connection to the heart and this connection to, to spirit. That I think connects us and that binds us, and and it's also that that vulnerability that we're able to have with each other, where we're able to just be open to lay it out on the table and be like, do you know what I'm going through? This it's really hard, and knowing that you have those people around you who inspire you, who lift you up, who are there for you, who have your back, and that you can speak to about anything, you know, and that you can go through the highs and the lows with, and so. And I think that's growing, you know, this family, this community, you know, some of the names that you mentioned who, you know, you've been speaking to, you know, I, I see them also, as, even though I've never met them, I see them as my family because yeah. I feel that resonance, I feel that connection. So there are people that I don't even know physically in this world, but that I feel connected to. And I think that's also the power of music is that through these songs right. and through this music, we are able to connect. And that was always the big thing for me is even though I felt very um, isolated growing up in a sense from other kids and other people didn't really fit in that kind of thing. Music was always that way for me to connect. Music was always that way for me to belong to something greater than just my, the circle that I was involved in. And um, so, yeah, for me, music is that solace. It's that place where we connect. And even though, you know, I've never met Bob Marley, you know, his music, it, it, I, I know him, Right. I know him through his music and I connect to him because we share the same spirit, we share the same heart. And so it doesn't matter that I never met him personally, you know, because there's a connection and that's the beauty with, with music, it's that bridge. You can go and watch someone play live and I've never met anyone standing around you. And yet in that moment, you're completely 100% connected with everyone in that room because you're all feeling the same feeling. And that's why music for me is so important and is so powerful because it has the ability to bring everyone of different faiths, different backgrounds, different colors, different ideas together as one. That's beautiful, man. I think that that is the power of music. And it's amazing that you guys, you know, you and there's so many of... of these conscious musicians that are out there making beautiful music and I could just go on and on and on, but I mean, Trevor Hall, Natalie Rise, Will Evans, uh, yeah. Sat Song, Paul Isaac, Mike Love, Tubby Love, Amber Lily, um, uh, Hyrie, all these, all these artists out there running around and so many more. And it's funny when I would share their music with people sometimes, you know, with new people, they'd say, well, wh what kind of music is it? I'm like, well, um, I don't know. It's like spirit music, man. It's 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 different, right? Because your music doesn't sound like Sat Song, and Sat Song doesn't sound like Trevor Hall or Nako. Right. But there's this, like you said, there's this common thread that's deeper than just the the surface level. You know what what meets the ear. There's more than what meets the ear with y'all's music, and it it's a it's a thing. It's a heartstring, and it mm -hmm. and it just runs through all of the music, and it it it. Uh, it speaks of, of vulnerability, you know, and authenticity yeah. and, and um, of unity to me. 
that's what you know a lot of y'all's music really represents is community and tribe and and um you know and and just breaking out of the maybe this the system that we're we're involved in and doing that with through through love and action and through music and art and creation i think we can create and love our ways out of this fucking mess i really do i believe that yeah 100 percent. so i'll tell you what man sam this has been it's one of my favorite favorite discussions this is this has been filling my heart up and uh i could i could talk to you forever it's like medicine um but out of respect for your time and out of just where the spirit's leading us, man, I'm, I'm I feel like this is this is it. What um what's going what's going ahead for you? What is what does your future look like in in the next uh, few months? You know, couple years. What what's on the horizon for for Sam? Yeah, so obviously right now we're in kind of this quarantine with the coronavirus and everything going on. And I had noticed. <laughs> we haven't spoken about it, but so we, me and my partner had plans to be touring and we had a tour booked in Germany. We were going to be in Germany. Uh, that was canceled. And then we had a retreat that we were holding in Portugal. That's also not going to be happening. Um, so many, many things that were going to be happening and now not, but what is going to be happening is um, we're going to be recording an album together, me and my partner of mantras and medicine music and just spirit songs, songs, songs from the heart, you know, mantras, but also some Spanish. And, well, you, you know, make me a, just make me a, a playlist of your music I can turn on whenever we take mushrooms. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure, for that's, sure. That's what I need. So we're going to be doing that um, pretty soon within the next few weeks. We're going to be starting that process of recording that album. It's going to be about 10, 11 tracks altogether. Um, and it's songs that we've written together as, uh, as a couple. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and so we're going to be, my partner plays harmonium and sings, and obviously I play guitar and sing, so we're going to be doing that, and then we're going to have a whole host of other musicians come and play, and loads of other friends play on that. And then after that, we're going to be heading out to spend some time in Portugal, um, spending some time there, and then we'll be going to California. And then when we're in California, we're hoping to to be doing some shows and different things, but we don't know, that's still up in the air, so we have no idea. Yeah. Uh, whether or not that's going to be happening um yeah so when was so we're really when was california yeah, on your on your calendar i know that it probably doesn't we don't know but it was going to be july august september we're going to be there for three months okay um and hoping to do some festivals and some shows there but we don't know and so we're still everything is so up in the air so we're still hoping to come and then hopefully by the time if things are open and we can at least come spend some time there uh, because we love it there so much. And then if things then start to open, then we can start playing some shows. And then I want to be able to then take it from the West Coast to the East Coast and start playing a little bit more around America and not just California because I've only ever been to California, but I want to open it out and start doing more. But it's a big, big place. So (laughs) there's a lot to discover and explore. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. But I'm, I'm also looking to record... A brand new album of my own material, songs that have just been coming through me. I've got about 12 songs that have been coming through, brand new songs. So looking to also start recording that very soon as well. And with this quarantine time, we could end up being in the studio for like the rest of the year just recording. So we have a lot of time. So that's also a benefit. Your next record is going to have 43 songs on it. It's going to be a four-disc series. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But that's also something... and. 
just before we end this, I just want to touch on is that we touched on it briefly with the with hardship comes wisdom is that you know even through these times where you know things seem to be very very bad and very intense and you know there's a struggle and you know, there's confusion and there's conflict in many many aspects of our life you know there's also medicine in that you know there's also something to take from that and i think the kind of natural response is to kind of like want to get away from things when they do become challenging when they do become hard and like we were saying with psychedelics it kind of forces you to go into it you know you can't run away and in the same way with this you know it's like how do we use this time of value how do we use this time to do something that's meaningful to think of those who we love and to reach out to them and to tell them we love them you know how do we use this time of of kind of challenge and, and uh, you know whatever is going on right now in the world how do we use that to bring light to certain things you know and and so really yeah this time for me has been a very powerful time in order to to start looking at those things to be reaching out to people that I haven't spoken to for years and to be like calling them up and being like I love you I'm here with you so yeah, I just wanted to say that. I don't know why. It just felt important. So yeah, during this time, Absolutely. also you know, a lot, a lot of good is also coming. I'm with you 100. percent I'm with you 100. percent I think that there's a, a lot of people have been reaching out to me saying that they're more creative. They feel more connected to a lot of their family. Um, you know, a lot of people are are finding, you know, finding themselves exercising who maybe weren't exercising before. But it's it's kind of a thing that goes around social media. Here's all these different exercises you can do at home. You know. And yes. so, yeah, that I love that message of, of, of hope and beauty because we're, it's not necessarily the message that we're, gonna, that we're getting from the TV and from, yeah. from, from other, other places. But uh, I, would, I would recommend everyone lean into that message, maybe just listen to what Sam said two or three more times and uh, just see, if, see if, if organizing yourself around those values and those principles um, doesn't yield positive results in your life because I'm, I'm certain that it will. Sam Garrett. Big, big fan. Love you, yeah. man. Big love. Like, Thank you so much. Thank bro- you for all that you're doing. Absolutely, man. Back at you. Thank you for your music. We're looking forward to this uh, this next album. Hopefully it's, you know, it's able to come through fairly soon and, and we don't have any more weird uh, things pop up. And whenever you get over here to the States, I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll be in contact well before then, but, you know, don't yes. be a stranger. Um, of course. I'm I'm in and out of Southern California pretty often. I, rec- I imagine you're going to Southern California. Yeah, San San Diego around that area, but then usually we we kind of do like a little tour, go up to Oregon, and then back back down to the, to the south. Yeah. Well, so Ashley's got family in Oregon, and we love Oregon. And then we've got business and friends and everybody and family in in Southern California. So whenever you're over here, we'll just. Yeah. Um, We'll just we'll hop up. on top of your tour van and ride around with you. <laughs> Wonderful. Can't right. wait. Thank Big you, love, brother. man. Big love to you. Mahalo. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Peace out, brother. Big love. Peace.